Well, it's a special building. I mean, it holds a lot of sentimental you know, reasons for me. You kind of forget, I guess, walking out. I kind of forgot you're kind of coaching. You kind of feel like you're playing sometimes. And, um, and you're coaching this team. You know, I've been on the other bench enough. So it, uh, you know, it, it kind of hits you. Didn't really expect it to hit you until you walked on the bench. So it's pretty cool. Experience obviously didn't, uh, didn't get the win. It'd been a little nicer of the win. That was your brand new head coach, Andrew Brunette, after his first game at Bridgestone Arena as the head coach. Of course, he's been there many times in other roles. Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Braden Gall, and you can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Michael Gallagher with Nashville Hockey Now. You can follow me on Twitter at MG Sports underscore. Mike, we have actual hockey to discuss. <clears throat> Players on a, on a sheet of ice doing hockey things. Uh, how much fun was it to be in the building at Bridgestone Arena on Wednesday evening? This is why we're a little late today, because we wanted to make sure we got that game in against Tampa Bay. The outcome is what it is, 2-1 loss in overtime, but whatever. Uh, what matters is that Michael Gallagher got to be on press road, covering a hockey game, talking to players after the game, talking to coaches. You're going to hear from uh, both Ryan O'Reilly and Andrew Burnett uh, today on the show. How much fun was it to be back in the building doing the job, my man? Yeah, it was great. That was the first time I'd been in Bridgestone Arena since, what, April was it? I mean, it's been a while. Um, I also wasn't feeling so hot, so it was nice to be able to sit inside a nice cold hockey rink and have the wind <laughs> blowing in my face a little bit and hear the pucks kind of being hit back and forth and stuff like that. So it was it was a, it was a great way to spend a Wednesday night other than, you know, the fact that the game was kind of boring, but, you know. Well, I think there's still a lot to be learned. It's a preseason game, so we're not going to overreact like crazy, although we might throw a few things at you just to see if you're listening. <laughs> uh, but we, we've got a lot to discuss. Uh, you guys have do, done a lot of great coverage, nationalhockeynow.com. Uh, a lot of talk about the young players in camp. We'll get to that. Uh, I know you had a chance to ask Andrew Burnett ab about uh, Philip Tomasino. He also talked about uh, Luke Evangelista. You'll hear that a little bit later on. We, we're going to talk line combinations because that's like everybody's like catnip right now. We're going to talk line combinations, and it does look like maybe a couple of spots are, are solidified. We will hear from Ryan O'Reilly, Philip Forsberg, Andrew Burnett about what the top line could look like, and then the system is going to be a big part of the conversation because you've been watching camp. You, had a lot of, you have a lot of observations about the system. Who does it help? What is it going to look like? And then we have a lot of conversation coming off of the Tampa game about what does that system look like? The word pace is the magic word. However, I think there's a second word that we need to now add to that, and you'll hear from uh, Brunette and O'Reilly about that as well. So a lot of stuff to discuss today uh, on the show. However, before we do any of that, the Gold Standard Podcast is brought to you by the great, amazing, wonderful, awesome folks over at Jaspers. So we have the vast majority <clears throat> of the Fantasy League spots filled. All right. We've got two spots left. And I need to make you the basically the, the the most diehard listeners. You guys got in, you got involved, you got signed up. I I have two spots left. I'm holding, and I want people to make the case why you deserve to be in the fantasy league. So we've got two spots left. There's been a couple of people that have asked, and I said, you know what, I'm going to hold off. So at MG Sports underscore at Braden Gall on Twitter X whatever, make the case why you should get one of those last two spots. Uh, the draft is next week, uh, I believe on like the 10th, something like that. And as of right now, it's on your laptop. But if I can, if we can figure out a way to get together, we'll do it. But for now, make the case why you should get into the league. We've only got two spots available, and we will decide based on how awesome your tweets are. <laughs> they can be funny, they can be mean, but if they're good, that'll give you a good chance to get in to the <laughs> fantasy league. 
Uh, okay, go to Jasper's, everybody, of course. Great specials on Preds games, home and road. And, of course, the Gold Standard Cocktail, named after this here show. Free parking, great menu, lunch, business lunch, happy hour, significant other, kids, doesn't matter. They've got a spot for you, and there's a there's a menu item there for you, so go check it out. Okay. Uh, all right, so I want to ask you first, before we hear from Andrew Burnett and Ryan O'Reilly about the game itself, I just want to, what is your broad takeaway from camp so far? three games you got two in florida but they're kind of split squad wednesday night against tampa was sort of the first time where you maybe could see some semblance of a a roster taking shape what do you make so far what you've seen i think my biggest takeaway so far oh excuse me losing my voice a little bit um mid-season form yeah i think uh my biggest takeaway so far is just that it's gonna be rough the first couple weeks of the season, first couple of games, it's going to be rough. I, I think last night was a perfect example of this team is capable of playing with the pace that Andrew Burnett wants to play, figuring the timing out, getting all the passing down, getting the shots and everything. Like it's it's going to be an adjustment period. They are capable of playing with the fast pace, up tempo, aggressively offensive mindset that Andrew Burnett has but putting it all together getting it to work building the chemistry having it having everyone gel that's going to take some time and that's kind of what everyone said in the locker room they think they're capable of getting there it's just going to be a little bit of an adjustment period until they finally figure it all out so that's probably my biggest takeaway all right we'll get into some details of what that means because I found and I want you guys to listen carefully this is Andrew Burnett and then Ryan O'Reilly kind of going back and forth about the outcome of the game How do they feel about how the system worked inside of the game against Tampa, the kinks they have to work out? But there's one other very important word I want you guys to hear. Uh, So here was Andrew Burnett and Ryan O'Reilly on the first game against Tampa and how the system performed and where they're at in the installation process. You know, I thought bits and pieces were pretty good. I I liked our second period, a little sloppy to start. And uh, the third period, you know, I thought we we held the play most of the period is weren't successful in the power play at the end of the game we had some opportunities and, and didn't go in and you know kind of took a careless penalty in overtime and there goes the game oh yeah it's just yeah it's back to work you know tomorrow getting back at it um you know some good things in the game that we did well but obviously you know things um you know personally you just want to be better at and you know work through and obviously as a group too just structure and, and such and you know, i'm sure we'll review it and, and take the lessons from it but um you know, i thought it was a good first one you know guys a lot of guys work tonight did a lot of good things just um you know it's getting the timing back and little details well there's a lot of work to be done i think coming in we we knew we we're asking a lot of these guys is a different style than they played there's always going to be a you know a little bump in the road that we're not executing and they're not they get caught in between at different times I think we get up a few too many odd man rushes because we're a little bit caught in between and again it was the first game for all these guys it's a different different system so I think you, you add a little bit of rust and a little bit of uncertainty with with the group we've got a lot of things to work on we're we're uh you know we're a long ways away to to be exactly where we want I thought we worked we competed we tried which as a coach it's really all you can ask for. Now it's my job to, to tighten things up here a little bit and, and day by day get a little bit better. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think this whole training camp, I think the pace has been very high and the yeah, just getting more and more comfortable with it, especially having the structure at that pace too, which, you know, you could tell, um, you know, at times out there, it's just, you know, not predictable because you're just not comfortable with it. And, and I just think as we go, you know, I think as the game went on times, you know, we did get more comfortable with it. And once you're on the same page, it is, you know, it's dangerous and it'll be effective. With us, you like to be on a rope. It's kind of how you teach, but it's been four days in with these guys, and, and I think they've probably not used to that kind of style. We're asking a lot of them to get up. 
So again, when you get caught in between, when you're not sure, a lot of times you're making either a poor decision to try to get up or you're sagging too far back and giving up too much ice. And a little bit on their part, they couldn't trust our, you know, our back check F3 at different times that allows them to get up. So we kind of got disconnected a little bit in certain areas. And, you know, regardless, whoever you play, you give up too much ice, you're going to give some opportunities up. All right, Michael. So uh, first thing that, that that struck me there, and I think everything you said is correct. I think it is going to take some time. I think it's it's Andrew Burnett said it there. It was a little sloppy. The other word that I think we need to discuss about this system and what does it mean and what are the game, what is the offense going to look like and what is the team going to look like? I think it's all the things we we expected. This, you know, puck control, push the pace, fast tempo, going to be exciting, going to be fun. I think all that stuff is true. But the word that you heard O'Reilly say multiple times is structure. And it is, I find it interesting that it's, it is pace with structure and structure with pace, which to me, and you heard Andrew Burnett refer to this is about spacing, right? It's about how you can't be too far lagging behind, but you can't be too far up because you're going to give your, the defense, you're going to give the other team opportunities to, to, to turn around and flip the ice, the counterattack as it, as it were. So I don't know. I, I don't know. That was the thing that, that struck me is. It's going to be dangerous, but we've got to make sure. And the pace is always going to be there because we're young and we're fast. But to me, what's very interesting is how you create that pace and that speed and that tempo, but doing it with some semblance of structure. I think that's what what will be really interesting to watch evolve. Yeah, and it that's kind of what it was last night. It was very disorganized. It was very chaotic. There were timing issues, spacing, spacing issues, people just kind of all over the place. And it, and it looked like it was, it looked like a preseason game. I think that will be worked out. I don't think it'll be worked out immediately. Like when the regular season starts, it's going to, like I said, it's going to take some time, but, and that's part of, that's part of Andrew Burnett's philosophy. And that's the system he runs. Like it's not just speed, 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 get the puck, go score. Like there's a, there's a lot of nuances to it. There's a lot of, of timing stuff. There's a lot of people going different places. It's a lot of spacing out. Like you said, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just balls to the wall, go out there and try to score it, There's a lot of organization to it. There's a lot of, of going out there and trying to, like you said, the, trying to structure the way things are. And it, this isn't like John Hines where you just kind of go out there and just kind of, you know, goof around until you get the puck and try to score or whatever. Like Andrew Burnett has, there's a lot of intricacies that go into this and figuring out who goes where. And if it doesn't work, then you switch up what the lines look like and and everything like that. So it's, it's going to take some time to get adjusted, but I think once they finally work everything out and they get to where they're on solid footing, I think it's going to be fun to watch. I think last night, it would have been a lot more fun if if it looked like they knew what they were doing, but it very it very much looked like that was the first time they had tried running the system. So I mean, it's it's going to be fun. Trust me, it will be fun to watch. I think the way Andrew yeah. Burnett wants to play, I think that the players they have on this roster are are capable of executing the way he wants to play. But we're we're just warning you now; it's going to be a little rougher for a while. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, again, if, if this doesn't mean anything. Oh, three and one through three games, they've given up twelve goals. They've scored three. All right, not exactly what you want. But again, preseason split squad against Florida on the road. Like, how do, how much do you really know there? Uh, of course, and and seeing both, I'll get your thoughts on Saros and Askarov getting some time. They'll play Tampa, of course, on Saturday at 4 p.m. Then they'll play Carolina on Thursday and Friday in a home and home uh, next week. Next week's show, of course, will be our complete and full predictions because the following week, October 10th on Tuesday, the debut of the NHL season and Andrew Burnett and Barry Trotz and all the new players like the entirely new national predators organization 2.0 gets started on uh, october 10th on tuesday so next week 
complete and full Central Division predictions from us, Stanley Cup predictions. Uh, but we have a couple of uh, preseason games here to get to. So, okay, I, I agree. I think it's going to take time. It certainly looked a little erratic. But again, watching how the players space with pace and structure is watching that evolve and becoming, as as O'Reilly said, it's going to be dangerous. So I think you're right. I think it's going to be fun. I just think it's going to take some time to get there. And that goes hand in hand with some of these young players that you want to see develop, which we'll get to because um, my guy, once again, making headlines on Nashville Hockey Now and everywhere else in the Nashville Predators media core. He was my guy from the second they picked him. And he's still my guy, Mike. He's still my guy. So we'll get to that uh, coming up in just a second. Uh, you you mentioned the fun. Is that something you noticed in camp as well? Like players, you you said, you know, there's players that have been talking about this system. How how different are the players reacting to playing for Andrew Burnett versus the previous regime? Yeah, that was one of the the big things that I noticed kind of the first couple of days of camp. Obviously, it's the first time we get to talk to them after a three or four month break, and I'm sure they were thankful for that. Um, but we uh, kind of were pre- pretty much just picking the brains of the, the guys that were here the last couple of years, the guys that played mostly under John Hines or played the entirety of John Hines' tenure here, and kind of asking them how the system that he ran and what 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 he was trying to do and the goal of, of what they were the, co- the coaching staff was trying to get out of everybody, how that differed from Andrew Burnett. And you, you heard a lot of the same things, pace, speed, puck possession, all that stuff. And and those are nice buzzwords, but what does it really mean? And kind of asking some of the players, you know, how do you feel with a new head coach? How do you feel trying to learn this new system? How do you feel trying to, trying to go out and do all these new things that you haven't really done? Because John Hines probably leans a little bit more defensive-minded. Andrew Burnett, definitely more offensive-minded. And pretty much every player across the board said this says this is just a lot of fun to play. We're not tied to being in one spot of the ice. We're not tied to like certain roles like, OK, you have to go out and your job is solely to forecheck. You have to go out and your job is solely to screen the, the goalie. Like they were all talking about how much fun it is because there's just so much that goes into it. They're learning new things. They're taking coaching from multiple different perspectives. They're moving all over the ice. They're trying shots from places they normally wouldn't try shots from. They're having to up their conditioning and stuff to keep up with the speed of the game. And they all just said that it's a lot of fun. And I can't remember the last time, if at all, any player that we interviewed while John Hind was here, and even, I guess, to a degree, the last year or two of LaViolette, that ever mentioned the word fun. And I think you have to go back to probably the President's (laughs) Trophy year to when you would actually hear a player say, man, we're having a lot of fun. And Andrew Burnett even said, look, we can go out and we can play as well as we want. But if the players aren't having fun, you're not going to notice it on the ice. Yeah. And, th- and I think that's really key and that's really crucial for, for any head coach in any professional sport, to be honest. But especially with hockey, because this is a, it's a time of transition. There's, there's a new regime, a new, a new head coach, a new general manager. You have some new players. You're going to have a new top line. You're going to have a mostly new top six. There, there's a lot of change that's going on. And I think the, the main thing to keep in mind for the players is go out and have fun because this has been a, this has been a franchise for the last three, four five years where you, there hasn't really been a lot of fun, not for the players, not for the coaches, not for the fans. And I think it's new. It's refreshing. It, it the, the, you can tell the players are really like they came back and their batteries are recharged because they know it's different this time around. And I think that's something that's going to make a world of difference because if the players are actually having fun, I think you're going to be able to see it show up on the score sheet. How do you watch practice i've been out to training camp almost every year since like 2016 and i i find it incredibly difficult 
to watch practice. <laughs> like I know what I'm like, and it's and some of it's because hockey splits up all the players and they practice at different times. And for those that don't know, like you have half the team practicing at like 1 p.m. and then there's like a scrimmage and then like the next group goes and they're never all together. Like you have to split up the starters and the young players, although there's a little bit more interaction of that, those two groups this year than ever before. Like you would always, you would never see like all of the top nine forwards in the same practice. So it's kind of hard to like learn. You can see pace. You can see who's fast. You can see skill. You can see guys who have good hand, uh, good handles. You can see some of that stuff, but it's very, diff- I find it very difficult to analyze training camp practices in particular. Yeah, it, it gets a little, a little tedious because you have, at least this year, there's 61 players on that were invited to camp. Uh, they trimmed, they trimmed it down. I think they sent seven or six or seven or so back to their junior teams but they started with 60 over 60 players then you have three different squads that you break up into that have you know roughly 15 to 20 different people on those squads and they're practicing and um and this year being new with Andrew Burnett running the show it was it was a little different as well but usually I try to take I try to look and see what young players they have in in groups and in squads with what veteran players because that usually tells me like if Philip Tomasino is paired with and then a group with like Forsberg and O'Reilly and, and some of the guys you expect to be top six players, that shows me that they're trying to get a look and a feel for him of what he's going to do. If Zachary LaRue is there, obviously we don't really expect LaRue to make the opening night roster. So he's just kind of there and they just they just want to see what he does playing with other offensively gifted players and stuff like that. So I, that's how I try to keep in mind to yeah. try to watch it. And then I uh, on the on ice stuff, I don't really pay attention to what's going on too much because there's just so much going on. There's a uh, players moving all around i try to pay attention to the younger players what are they doing are they are they just being able to to go out there and tee off are they actually being coached into doing stuff watching what they're doing on like the breakaway drills and and the shootout stuff like that and i just kind of try to see how every how everyone's gelling together it's it's hard to to really glean anything from training camp practices in my opinion but i i did notice a, a few things that were different like Andrew Burnett had them doing a few different drills where they're doing one-on-one, one on one, excuse me, one-on-one drills against the boards. That was kind of new. Um, I noticed that he had them skating laps a lot more. And I guess, you know, you kind of have to to get your conditioning up to play the way he wants to play. But John Hines would usually have them do drills. They would do like a lap or two, then they would come back, and that was like a reset to do a new drill. Andrew Burnett has them skating laps on laps on laps. And that that was a little <laughs> interesting as well. So there's Things have changed a little bit, but also it's just kind of, you know, yeah. I think I think by the time the regular season starts, practice is going to shift from what we're seeing in training camp now where we're not really getting much to they're actually going to be working very intently on certain things. Yeah, like a practice in season, which doesn't really happen very often unless they're off for like three or four days. It's like it's like morning skate and you can kind of see like some line pairings, but training camp practice is like total chaos. I think the one thing I took away like last year, for example, was that Pecorine was sitting there working with scare off for most of the entire practice like that's one of the yeah. I, i'm watching the coaches and sort of who they're working with i think is interesting so i just wanted to ask get your opinion on that because you mentioned some of the, the combinations well we did get a starting lineup of course you had philip forsberg at the top with ryan o'reilly and uh gary Onoff on the top line i thought that was interesting let's not read too much into this and overreact <laughs> gustav nyquist with cody glass and philip tomasino on the second line cole smith with tommy novak and luke evangelista on the third line and then reed Schaefer. Uh, along with um, Michael McCarron and Zachary Zachary LaRue on the last line. I think the top two blue line pairings are actually probably locked up. Yossi with Shen, and you have uh, McDonough with Barry, and then you had Del Geizo and Stasny, I think, probably getting some looks by the coaching staff at that point. I think we know Carrier and Fabro and Lausanne are probably the three that are going to fill those spots. 
but seeing what they've got in those two guys in some in some preseason games is important. Um, so I think that's the lineup. One of the things, and and so here, here, let's let's hear from um, both Brunette and O'Reilly and Philip Forsberg because it does feel like Ryan O'Reilly is going to be your top line center. Philip Forsberg is obviously going to be your top line left winger. Here was Andrew Brunette about how those those two guys played together. Ryan O'Reilly on his uh, the opportunity to play with Philip Forsberg, and then Forsberg on what he's learning from Ryan O'Reilly. That's a lot of stuff. Uh, so just uh, here you go. Here's some cuts, your prime cuts brought to you by Jaspers. Here's Brunette and O'Reilly and Forsberg on what could be the Predators top line. Well, Ryan's an extremely smart hockey player, arguably one of the smartest players in the league. And, and he knows where to go and how to find guys. And he's an easy guy to play with. So I think he he's a type of player that you could put him with anybody. And there's probably instant chemistry. So I think they're reading off each other pretty well. And, and you know, I think for Phil, it's been a little bit, both of those guys haven't played yet. So his first game, there's a little bit of rust here on, on a lot of the guys, a lot of our veterans here last uh, tonight, and, and they'll get better as they go. But yeah, they, they play pretty well off each other. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, well, obviously playing against him and seeing how dynamic he is with the puck and just the way he, you know, possesses it and just the reach and how tough it is to get it off him. And, you know, just such a creative mind out there too. It's nice playing with him. And we had some good looks tonight. I thought we did some things well still, you can tell. Um, yeah, it is, you know, first one. It's nice to get that one out of the way and, and build off that. But, uh, yeah, gosh, it's it's nice playing with them. Last couple of weeks and obviously training camp here playing together. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the chemistry's there. I think it's something that um, we have to continue to build on. And, you know, I think as we go more games too, it's going to get more comfortable and such. But, you know, again, just reading off each other, jumping in those areas. And even tonight I felt, you know, I know for myself, um, <clears throat> just like the timing and stuff, that's always kind of tough to find, you know, after not playing for a while. Um, so sometimes it's kind of overskating, underskating, and just the way it goes. But um, I'm very excited for him. I mean, a lot. I think just kind of trying to watch and learn from him, from him every day. He's, uh, he's, he's been great. It's been a joy to have on our team. I think he's been he's, he's so detailed in everything he does. I mean, you see the small stuff after practices, during practices, uh, obviously during the game, too. He brings it all, and uh, it's been great, great to have it as a team unit. As, yeah, and, uh, like I said, just try to learn from him as well. I mean, I don't know. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> O'Reilly says, oh, gosh, a bunch. And he goes, oh, oh gosh, I'm excited to work with Philip Forsberg. And um, I, I want before I ask you about what you think the line combinations are going to be or what we learned about these things or if things are falling into place. Uh, I want to promote one quick thing. Uh, Lamestream Sports this week out on Friday. Uh, myself and Adam Bingen had a 10 year conversation about the state of Preds media. Uh, Michael Gallagher, you were mentioned many times, so you make sure you go check that out. Well, um, now I have to listen to it. We talked about the RSNs. We talked about how the new coaches and players are going to are fit. And Adam said this about he, he basically I'm paraphrasing here, but so go listen to the conversation. But he said, I think Ryan O'Reilly is going to be a go to guy that we in the press and the fans are going to get a lot out of. And I think you can already hear it from just that that one game already. The guy's incredibly smart. He's a veteran. He's been around a long time. He's very thoughtful. I think he's going to be a great quote for this team. And I think the media is going to gravitate to him. I think fans are going to listen to what he has to say. And oh gosh, he's excited to play with Philip Philip Forsberg. Uh, so go so go check out that uh that episode on Friday. But again, do you think we're starting to see? I mean, Philip Tomasino, we'll talk about him in a second. Good story on Nashville Hockey Now about him. Uh, and I know you had a question about uh, uh Philip Tomasino to um Andrew Burnett that we'll play here in just a second. What what do you think? Are do you, do you how much of, of Wednesday night's lineup do you think? We're, we're close like are we two-thirds of the way through figuring out who makes that top those top 12 or where do you think we're at yeah i mean i i kind of tongue-in-cheek tweeted the lightning when they first scored i was like the lightning rookies won three quarters of the preds opening night lineup zero 
I, I think this is going to be the bulk of the lineup. I mean, obviously, Delgado and Stastny probably aren't going to make it. Right. It's hard to see Reed Schaefer, Michael McCarron, Zachary LaRue making this team. Cole Smith is interesting. I, I feel like he's someone who's kind of on the roster bubble. I could see him making making the opening night roster and being in the bottom six. They love him in the locker room. I think last night, I can't believe I'm paying Cole Smith a compliment, but I think last night we almost saw him score a goal. He was very <laughs> sharp defensively. I will say that for as much as I have okay. kind of ragged on Cole Smith over the last year, he has really picked it up on the defensive side of the ice. And that's something that I really noticed. He was he was he got a lot of penalty kill time, I feel like. I don't know what the exact numbers were. I don't have them in front of me, but I feel like he got a lot of time on the penalty kill last night. He's someone who I think is kind of one of those role players. You also have Kiefer Sherwood and other bottom six players like that. So it's I think most of this roster for the opening night is is what we saw it last night. I, I don't know if Roman Yossi and Luke Shen, just from what I saw, I have a feeling they might start being paired together. I just don't know if that's your best top pairing. McDonough and Tyson Berry was interesting. Um, but yeah, I it's it's one of those things where there's so many different players and they have they have a couple players that all fill the same roles, right? Like I think Garyanov and McCarron, um, they kind of do the same thing. Throw Jankowski in there. Also, you got to keep in mind, Yusuf Parsons has been, been injured here and there, so I don't know how much time he's playing. He's obviously going to make the roster. Um, so there's just there's a lot of moving parts to it. I don't. I don't know if they've settled on a top line. I think it's I think it's Forsberg, O'Reilly, and and fill in the in the gap there. But and I was talking to to Clay last night, um, other writer at National Hockey Now. Um, I was talking to him, and we were kind of going back and forth on you know who who should be on the top line and whatnot and stuff. And I, I think if Tomasino makes the roster, and I say if because it's still not set in stone yet, I think Evangelista has locked up his spot just based off of what Barry Trotz said on radio yesterday. I think Evangelista has locked up his spot. But if it were me, you you're going to need balanced scoring lines, and it seems like Forsberg and O'Reilly are tied on that first line. I would maybe put Tomasino up there, and I would put Evangelista on the second line. I think if you do Forsberg, mm-hmm. O'Reilly, and Tomasino, Nyquist, Glass, and Evangelista on that second line, that maybe balances the scoring a little bit better. Because like we saw last night, Luke Evangelista was everywhere. The kid has got speed. That was what impressed me the most last night. It seemed like he was always a step or two ahead of everyone else on the on that was on the ice. And I think I think he's just going to be really good. I think he's going to be dynamite. Yeah, so I think yeah. I think you got to. I know it's it's very tempting to put him up there on the top line, but I think you spread it out a little bit to try to have balanced scoring because, like we saw last night, it's it's going to be it's going to be rough. Like I said earlier, so yeah. you're going to need to kind of like there was a reason the Blackhawks rarely played Jonathan Taves with Patrick Kane, and I think that we're looking at, at a similar thing here, at least until you figure out who your who your scorers are going to be. I think all I just heard was Michael Gallagher comparing Philip Tomasino and Luke Evangelista to Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves. That, that'll that get people fired up. No, uh, oh, yeah. you're, you're going to hear from Andrew Burnett on both of those players coming up in just a second. So I want to talk young players in just a second. But I, I, I think you could make the case. Now, here. so for, first, let me back up. I think Luke Shen does one thing. He protects Roman Yossi, and that's kind of it. How long does that keep him on the top pairing? I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, we've talked, we've talked a lot about how strange that contract is, but whatever, uh, maybe he is there just to protect Roman Yossi and that's worth it. Um, I think it's possible that the top six that you had almost five of those six sort of, I mean, I think it's possible that on Wednesday night, five of those six that you saw on the top two lines are there when we start the season. Forsberg, yeah. O'Reilly, Garyanov is at the top line. I think Nyquist and Glass and Forsberg and O'Reilly as center left wing center left wing i think could be what you're looking at 
I think Tomasino slots into one of those two spots. We've kind of penciled him in on the second line for most of the season. I think you make a great case for why he could play up. Uh, and again, we'll get we'll get to Evangelista because right now he, he played on the third line on Wednesday night. I, I think we all know we don't want to see the 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 Tolvin and Tomasino thing replicated again, where a guy yeah. with so much speed and skill is sort of relegated to a stranger role. Um, although you'll hear from Brunette, there is still some of his game that he needs to work on. And I've got a theory I want to float past you about John Heinz. I think I think a wild card in this too is Tommy Novak. I mean, he had the only goal last night on the power play. Yeah. It was crazy. The Predators had seven power play opportunities, only scored one goal. But Tommy Novak has, has been impressive. And as I've mentioned several times on this podcast, he's one of those players that can play with anybody. I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he somehow squeaked into the top six as well. Well, and what I was going to say is I have a theory about John Hines timing that I think I've thrown out there on this show for like years now. And I want to float it by you here at the end of the show. And by the way, the more things change, the more they stay the same. One for seven on the power play, three straight games of taking too many penalties. Uh, like PTSD for everybody <laughs> when it yep. comes to when it comes to Nashville Predators special teams. Preds are going to pred. Preds are going to preds. Uh, all right, so let, let's get to some of the young players. Anything else on the lineup? I mean, uh, you know, it's cool to see Askarov in there, but he's going to be in Milwaukee. I think Stasny is the one that's intriguing. You and I have talked about him before, but I just think there's kind of a, until there's a trade, which certainly could happen with Tyson Berry or, you know, Carrier or Fabro or any of these guys uh, at some point during the season, defensemen are, are an asset and a commodity on the trade market. I, I don't know if there's space for any of these young players to earn their way up. You certainly need depth to develop to develop because of injuries happens all the time, especially with if you look at their starting four defensemen, uh, 33, 31, 32 and 34 years old. <laughs> I'm older than all of them. So what are you saying? Uh, well, I don't know if you're OK, fine. <laughs> My, are you trying out for the National Predators? No, I'm not I, a world class athlete. So let's no, say that. Up, but. No, I, but again, I think they're this in a team good... has injury problems. We've seen it yeah, that's true. year after year after year. I mean, look at Carrier. He missed, what, 40 something games last year. And yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying like I'm not sitting here hoping that any of these guys get injured. But there's a good chance you're going to see two or three Milwaukee defensemen play at least a, a handful of games this year. I think yeah. Livingstone has dibs on the first call up just because he realistically he could also make the opening night roster. Um, but I think I think Stastny, Delgado looked impressive too. But I think Stastny also made a case for being the first call up if there is an injury as well. Okay. Uh, all right, let's get to some of these young players then, because I know you've written about uh, a, a couple of these guys, Nashville hockey now, and we're seeing a bunch of them. And we're we're some most of these guys are going to head back down to Milwaukee. You're not going to get to see them very often, but you get to see them over the course of the next three preseason games here. Um, all right, this was Andrew Burnett on Luke Evangelista. And then you asked him a question about Philip Tomasino finishing. And so here was Andrew Burnett on both Luke Evangelista and Philip Tomasino. Well, he's an extremely smart hockey player. Um, his instincts are off the charts offensively. I think he has to learn a little bit of 200 foot game. He has to learn a little bit and get his feet moving a little bit, but he's a type of player we don't have a lot of, and he can make plays in tight areas. And so I've really been impressed with that. His vision, he made an unbelievable play on the power play. Um, you know, I think he's made, he's made a really, you know, he's created a lot of offense for us. It hasn't gone in, but, you know, I think, again, the little parts of his game we gotta, we've got to work on, but his brain and his instincts are, are pretty special. Tomasino was on the doorstep of scoring a couple of times. What do you have to do to kind of help him maybe put away some of those and be a better finisher? I mean, I think if you get chances, they go in, and he's getting some chances, and, and he scored before, and, and it, sometimes it just takes one. But I think for him, when he moves his feet, when he drives, when he drives, the pace like he did tonight. I thought he played a really good game tonight. 
Uh, snake bitten on a few chances these first two games he's played. Uh, hopefully he's not squeezing it too hard because I, the way I look at things, if you get chances, they'll go in sooner or later. And, and if he plays that way, he'll get his chances. So rave reviews from Andrew Burnett about Luke Evangelista. Just the, the, the IQ and the vision and the hands and the speed. He gets to spaces that nobody else can get to. Um, you've said the same thing. I mean, the guy obviously was super capable last year uh, in a in a very tricky kind of situation where it was mandatory that they needed him to play a bunch of minutes. Uh, listen, this is a guy who's obviously going to be very good at hockey. And so the key here to me is developing him and putting him into the right place. Now, let me float you my Heinz theory, and then we'll get into Evangelista Tomasino and some of the other young guys and, and my guy. We'll get to my guy in a second. Um, good enough in camp, by the way, to get an entire story written about him on National Hockey Now. Uh, so I, I I had said for a long time, I think even when John Hines was hired, when we launched this show in September of 2020, when I launched 440 Sports, one of the things I said right away about John Hines and said throughout his tenure is I don't think he's the guy to win a championship, but he's the right guy for right now. And I am curious because I, I hear this about you you just heard it in that clip about Luke Evangelista, a prime audio cut brought to you by Jaspers, by the way, uh, who serves great cuts of everything at Jaspers. He, he mentioned he still needs to finish the 200-foot game. The 200-foot game is a phrase that coaches use all the time to just say, look, got to get back on defense. <laughs> you got to back check. You got to be attentive to the defensive end of the, the ice because everyone wants to go score goals, especially in this system. I am curious if John Hines, for all of his flaws and all of his faults, was the right guy at the right time to 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 instill a little bit of that 200-foot game in some of these young players, most of them taught by Carl Taylor, but many of them got, got playing time with, with John Hines over the last two years. Tomasino, tons of games two years ago. Was it like just the right amount of John Hines? <laughs> like, does that make sense? He gave him like a little bit of a foundation of a 200-foot game and now you got to now they've learned how to play the the whole game get them out of there get a guy in who can run the the fast-paced offense and maximize the offensive skills at the right time of the development of some of these young players does that theory make any sense at all i'm not saying it was on purpose i'm just saying if i'm if i'm trying to sell this as like a huge positive does that theory make sense it kind of does i don't but i don't agree with it I think it's John Hines wasn't brought in to teach them, to coach them to play a 200 foot game. He was brought in to be an upgrade over Peter Laviolette. No, I know. So, that's not, I'm, I'm not saying that he was brought in to be a bridge coach. No, I'm no, I get that. that. I get that. So while yes, that may have been a byproduct, like one of the good things that he accomplished when he was here, you're not going to get a lot of people to, to bite on that just because he was supposed to come in and bring them to win them cups. So, and also too, like, I don't, I also don't buy it. Like you're a professional hockey player. You shouldn't need to be coached to, to play you a 200 foot game. You should, it should, it should be natural instinct to just get back on defense and hustle. So I, I don't well, know. So like you said, I, it, it's become a cliche. So, well, I guess here's the, the, here's the thing. Like there's the right, there's a right amount of like building a foundational development for a player. Like, all right, you, you are now fundamentally a complete player. Now I need a coach to take you to another level. And like, but if you have the wrong coach, try to take you to another level. You end up like Ellie Tolvanen. 
where where like does that make sense like there's the right there, you, there there's there's just the right amount of john hines <laughs> and and again i'm doing this all in hindsight looking back this is not their motivation their motivation was to try to win a cup and be better hindsight. Than i see what you did there oh yeah there you go hindsight um and i think what's interesting it could be that some of these players on a timeline standpoint could have gotten just the right amount of John Hines 200 foot development stuff that I mean, let's let's be honest, you can't have an entire career in USA hockey for this long and not be like good at something. And maybe what he's good at is that he just he's good at sort of like the beginning stages of the development process and that he got promoted beyond the point of competency, which is a very normal thing in America. And that's not what he's good at. What he's good at is like getting you the first 35% of the way on your game. And then you need someone with NHL quality caliber head coaching experience or, or talent in this case, Andrew Burnett to come along and then maximize your offensive skill. Does that does, like, I'm not saying this is why they hired Hines or Burnett. I'm saying this could be a, a strange byproduct of the transition from Hines to Burnett, if that makes sense. No, yeah, it makes sense. I'm, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna I, convince you of this, damn it. <laughs> and I get it. Like, I mean, look, John Hines was a pretty good AHL coach. Maybe that's, maybe that's his niche. Maybe it's working with the younger players. Maybe it's working getting them prepped to where they come in raw. You mold them and send them off to the NHL. Like his, he was what two thirty one and one twenty six and twenty seven in the AHL. I mean, he he had a much better winning percentage in the playoffs there. He had five playoff appearances, so he made the playoffs every single year he was coaching. Um, maybe maybe that's his niche. Maybe that's – and I'm not saying – look, I'm not saying John Hines is a terrible coach that should be exiled from the NHL. But but maybe that's, that's where he can thrive is by coaching some of those younger players, like you said, taking them, molding them in the first 30, 35% of their game, and then passing them off and letting somebody else who is probably better equipped get them the rest of the way. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And, and like I said, for years, I, I, I didn't think John Hines was good enough to win a championship, but I thought he was the right coach for right now. I kind of stand by that. It Maybe it was worse than I expected. I think it certainly was. And I think that's why I've said John Hines would be a great fit on like the Arizona Coyotes or a team that's rebuilding with a ton of prospects that needs someone to get them to solid standing. Sounds 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 not too all that different from what we watched on Wednesday night at Bridgestone. <laughs> um, some of the other prospects, I'll ask you about Larue. I'll ask you about some of the other guys. Parson, and of course, uh, is a part of this. But my guy, my guy, Tanner Molendike, already turning heads at camp. My guy gets a story in Nashville hockey. Now, uh, we, I, I guess, I probably should stop. I probably should stop. I do want to point out the story on Nashville hockey now about Philip Tomasino being lighter and fitting into the system. So you can go there too, but I want you broadly to talk through some of the development of the younger players. And most importantly, my guy, Tanner Molendike. Yeah, I will. I will mention about Tomasino. Go read the story. If you haven't already in doing research for that, I thought it was interesting. He's only played 107 NHL games, but 65% of his minutes that he's played has come on lines with bottom six level players. Imagine what he could do if he's playing with Forsberg, with O'Reilly, with Glass, with get with guys like that. That's that's all. So go read the story. Put a lot of work into it. it took me a little a little while to get it out there. Um, well, that that's what inspired the Heinz theory. Actually, was reading that story, going like, "All right, they got Tomasino some of the way the previous regime did. Now he's going to be lighter, and he's going to be playing in a better system that's going to maximize his skills. 
and and but he hasn't but he but he still got taught some of the things he needed to develop that that's truly like where i read i was reading that story and that's where i came up with this weird theory about Hines. honestly i will say the last time a predator's first round pick came in and said he lost some weight to try to be play faster he was gone the next year so let's let's hope that that doesn't uh <laughs> history repeat itself there but yeah to your, to your boy tanner mullendike this kid's the real deal and i'm not i'm not just driving the hype train here I have watched him ad nauseum. He's probably the one of the the two or three players I have been laser focused on at, at training camp. I watched him a lot at development camp. I watched him during the rookie showcase. I've done some film study on him. I've watched pretty much every highlight package I could find on the kid. He he fits. If, they, if you think of Nashville Predators defensemen, <laughs> other than like Shea Weber and Roman Yossi, the guys that are a little bit bigger, kind of more cerebral, Tanner Mullendike is it. The guy is fast, his movement, his edge work, the way he plays the game, the offensive upside, everything. And and I think it was Andrew Burnett. He's like, I see Tanner Molendek, the way he moves and skates. It's very impressive. Um, and what I like about him, too, is he showed up. He's a new kid on the block. What does he do? The first thing he does is he goes and he picks Roman Yossi's brain. And then he goes to Luke Shen and he goes to the guys that have been in this league for a while and he asks them for help kind of in a mentor role and and honestly that's the best thing you can do if you're a young player is to go find the best player on the team and ask him hey you play my position what do you think i should do what should i improve on what advice do you have me and i i think it was great i think it was a great idea and they all he's been getting glowing reviews from everybody i wouldn't be surprised if tanner molendike makes the opening night roster next year opening night roster next year is a pretty bold statement year number two uh, of his professional career. But look, this is a guy I like since the second they drafted him, uh, and he's done nothing but turn heads. A- anybody else? Uh, I got one it, more. It is, it is bold, but I will say, I'll, the caveat to that is, I don't think Fabro or Carrier are on this roster next year. I Yeah, I, I get what you're doing there. There's some opening, there's some vacancies available <laughs> because they're there ready is. to... To ready to ready to test him. Uh, I wouldn't be a, surprised if one of them is traded before the deadline and the other one is traded at the deadline or is just they just let him walk in free agency. Man, I it'd be I don't know if I I don't know if I approve of the walk in free agency thing, but I, I'm with you. They're both valuable trade chips, potentially, potentially. If you can find somebody that likes uh their skills and hopefully they can play good hockey in the first uh, 30 or 40 games. Um all right, so I got a special teams question for you real fast to wrap up. Go to Jasper's, of course, over on West End. Free parking, great place to go watch Preds games. Uh, great specials, uh, drink specials, and food specials during Preds games, home and road. And the parking is free, and and uh, the game room is free. They got a great, the best air hockey table, I think, in the city of Nashville. So go check it out. Great place for kids as well. Uh, great place for a date night. Great place for a business meeting. Great place for happy hour. You guys know the drill. Go to Jasper's. Great supporters of the Nashville Predators. Anybody else stand out to you from a young player standpoint? Zachary LaRue, of course, is getting some run with the team. Uh, any of the other young prospects stand out to you other than uh, Molendike, Evangelista, LaRue? Yeah, I will say one thing on LaRue, just from watching the game last night. I think the speed is there. The physicality is there. He's just not ready yet. And I don't, I don't think anyone expected him to. But watching him play in this system and with the pace and everything, he was out of position a lot. There was a lot of times where I, where I saw him and then he was like, he had his back turned and he was looking off the wrong way and he just, he got caught out of position quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think Reed Schaefer can't really stick out, but I do think he's someone to watch out for because I, when I watch him for some reason, the comparison my mind draws to is like Ryan Hartman. I feel like they're, they're kind of, they fit a similar thing, mm-hmm. a little bit smaller, chippier, edgier guys that have some offensive upside. Maybe they're, they're out there to provide some energy, stuff like that. Um, 
I think the guy that really stuck out other than everyone we've talked about, and he's not going to be on the roster, but is Spencer Stastny. I really think he's, he's a solid defenseman. I think he proved he could handle the NHL role last year in, in the eight games that he played. I think he really solidified his role as someone to watch during the Admirals playoff run. Um, and I think he's someone to watch out for too. Someone who didn't play last night, who I think could have an outside shot and maybe making the opening night roster or being called up in the first month of the season is Igor Afanasiev. If you're if you're building a bottom six and you put a bunch of grinders and four checkers out there and for whatever reason it's not working, Afanasiev should be the first guy called up. The kid's 6'4, 205, 210 pounds. He's a big power forward. He can he's worked on his defensive game in Milwaukee. He has offensive upside. I think he's got 20 goal potential. I think he's probably going to be the first call up if you need to fill a bottom six role because he's gritty, he's edgy, he's big, he's physical, he can score. He loves to go in front of the net and just park it there. I think he does all the things that you kind of want out of out of a guy you move up and down the lineup. So I think Igor, Af- uh, Igor Afanasiev is someone to keep an eye on too. I, I think we need to turn that into a, a every week on because I think you've mentioned him in that exact same way on the show every single week. I think we, we are contractually obligated to mention Igor Afanasiev now on the show as a, as an opportunity to be the first call up uh, on the team. Uh, I think, again, I think as part of our Jasper's contract, we have, to, you, you are now required to mention, mention him. Igor Afanasiev is a minority owner in Jasper's. Therefore <laughs> they, they snuck this in the contract. Yeah, no question about it. Um, I, one thing that I noticed watching the game, by the way, too, even with my wife and like kids, it's like that, that number 14 looks real different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the past, number fourteen, who's nineties uh, got an A on his sweater? Like it was just it was it took some getting used to. It was very weird to just see all the different names and see all the different numbers and try. Ariana to- wearing Craig Smith's number fifteen and yeah. missing a wide open net is just kind of poetic <laughs> justice. I think. <laughs> I will. I will say to all another player. I just I was just thinking of this. Uh, I threw out there young player that was impressive has been Fedor Svechkov. Okay, I, I don't know how long it's going to take him to get to the NHL, but that kid is gritty. He has a chip on his shoulder. I think playing last year, well, not playing last year in Russia, I'll say, I think has made him hungry. He's someone who's really come in and kind of really impressed everybody. And and we didn't really know what we were getting with him coming in here because he there's not a lot of tape on him. He didn't, like I said, he didn't play a lot last year in Russia. He's someone who has come in and he's really gritty. He's really physical. I think he, he I think he could, he has second line center potential. Um, and I, I'll notice that he's putting in the work too. After after practices and, and skates and stuff have been over, I've seen him running drills. He was doing tip in drills in front of the net, and he was getting like he was pounding his stick if a pass was off, and he was yelling. I don't know what it was because I don't speak Russian, but <laughs> he's someone who I feel like he's he's got a lot to prove, and I think he's going to be someone to keep an eye on over the next year or two as when, well. When you play in Russia, you get hungry. When you play in Hungary, you get Russia. That's that's what happens. Uh, and there you probably, go. probably eat some turkey when you're hungry. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a father. I have two kids. I'm not ashamed. So, uh, last night, again, just getting used to like watching how players skate and being, cause again, play by play people. I, I kind of watch it from a media perspective, like broadcasters have to like what make doc Emmerich the greatest broadcaster maybe of all time in hockey is that he could tell exactly who the player was by how they skated, not the number that he didn't need the number or the name. And that that's going to take some getting used to, <laughs> I think is trying to be able to, you, you just knew who Matt Deshane was. You didn't need to see the number. You, you could tell who Ryan Johansson was. You didn't need to see the number. You could see how, who these guys were and you could move quickly from player to player with your eyes and understand what you were seeing. Yeah, I think it's going to take some time for fans to get used to all these random new numbers and faces in different places. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun for the fans, even if the team uh, is, is slow going at the beginning quickly. Last one here. We'll wrap up on this. Um, go to Jasper's of course, Nashville hockey. Now 
at MG Sports underscore app Braden Gall. Make your case for the fantasy squad. We got two spots left. The draft is uh, the I think Monday the ninth, right the day before the season starts on the tenth. Uh, otherwise, penalties have been a problem already. I, I I'm okay with that for now because I think it it doesn't tell you anything. We don't want to overreact to preseason games. But as we alluded to earlier in the show, and we joked about it, special teams, the, the great uh, unconquerable problem for this Predators hockey team, other than like the one year, ironically, that John Hines was the head coach where I think the power play was like top 10 or something. But other than that, they've been la- under LaViolette all the other years under Hines. They take too many penalties. They don't score on the power play. And so, so far, <laughs> so far overreacting. Uh, not much has changed. I don't know what the secret. I don't know how they're going to solve the problem, but we'll see. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting. I think we got a glimpse last night of what the first power play unit's going to look like because they ran this. They ran these five guys out there three or four times to start off the power play, and I think it's it's Yossi, Barry, O'Reilly, Forsberg, and Novak. I don't know whether they're gonna, how long they're going to roll with that, but they they ran them out there a few times, and I think that's where they're leaning towards their first power play unit. It's going to be interesting to see what they do because they, like I said, they had seven power play opportunities last night. They scored once. They gave up two power play goals themselves. The special teams have always been an issue here, probably from the last, I would say, the last two seasons of Laviolette up until now. It, it's got to get fixed. The power play, yeah. I, especially with Brunette bringing in Derek McKenzie and just the holdovers from the previous coaching staff, I do think the power play will get fixed. I don't know if it's going to be a great power play just because of the players on the roster, but I, I think there'll be a middle of the road power play. I think the penalty kill will get a lot better once they kind of know what's going on and who the defensemen are and stuff. But special teams are one of the areas that as a Preds fan, it just kind of, it just, your blood pressure starts to rise because you had so (laughs) many years of it just being bad and you, you're just sitting there. You're like, when is it going to get better? Yeah. Uh, One out of seven, by the way, quick, some quick math in my head. I believe that's 14%. So that's, that'd be one of the worst in the league. So you want to be about one out of every five, one out of every four alternating back and forth that puts you in that 20 to 25% range, of course. And uh, I do, th- I don't have a problem with Tyson Berry being on the, the power play. Normally you put a fourth forward on the first power play unit up on the blue line there, but Barry's such a puck mover and such an offensive guy that I think Yo- and Yossi has to be there, but I don't mind that top, that top five, that first five. I think that's an interesting first five spread out some of your forwards so that you have a good second unit uh, as well, and I think you've got some opportunities there. Although those I think are Evangelista your- and Tomasino work in there too. Tomasino, when he's been in the NHL, has been really good on the power play. I wouldn't be surprised to see him up there. And I think Evangelista, at least if not on the first of the unit, I think on the second unit, I think you have two guys with really great shots that can make a difference. And they've lost a lot of the Tanner Janot type of guys from their defense on the penalty kill, but you still have Sissons, you still have Trennan. You still have uh, Parsonen's a guy that you could absolutely put on the penalty kill. Like there's O'Reilly a lot of, got a lot of PK time last night. O'Reilly's a perfect guy for that situation. So they, they the penalty kill should be good. And of course, UC Saros is UC Saros. Nothing to say. No notes on the goaltending situation for the National <laughs> Predators. We just did an entire episode preseason training camp and preseason games and have zero sentences to add about the goaltending situation for the National Predators. Uh, all right. Shoot us a, shoot us a tweet. At, uh, invite yourself into the league. Make the case. We'll select two more of you. The draft is next week. We'll have official uh, NHL Central Division predictions next week as well. NashvilleHockeyNow.com is the website, so go check them out. Mike, always a pleasure, my man. I'm, I'm sure it was glad to be back in the building. It was. It was great. Hockey is back. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Tell somebody about it. We really do appreciate it. And go to Jasper's, everybody. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. 